We are in the last of those great three confessions in the Apostles' Creed, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Only one more message from the Apostles' Creed. This will complete the 12 lines next week of the Creed. I've had a number of people say to me they never heard of the Baptist Church going through the Apostles' Creed. Well, it's the first time I've ever done so as a Baptist preacher, but I've enjoyed it. It's helped me focus on some things I have not commented on before in my ministry. Let's say the creed together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I've walked on the amen the last two Sundays. <laughs> but we got the amen in. All right, it's good. I am thrilled now to talk to you about the resurrection of the body. I believe in the resurrection of the body. I want to read a text from Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, it will also be on the screen. By the way, you can access the sermon notes with that code on the front of your worship guide. You can scan the code and you can get those sermon notes, all right? You can do the same on the back with giving to the church. That's what those codes are for. Verse 22. I wish I could read the whole sermon to you. It's about the startling events that occurred on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. At least 16 different languages were spoken by these fishermen from Galilee proclaiming the great acts of God. People wondered what was going on, thought maybe these guys had been drinking some wine, and Peter began to address the crowd. In verse 22, he says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet 
and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Hallelujah. What a great message to the people in Jerusalem, to the fellow Israelites, and to we, mostly Gentiles, gathered here in this room today. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. His heart was glad. His tongue rejoiced. And his body also will rest in hope. We are talking about the resurrection of the body, after all. Is your body resting in hope? I've been having some problems with my body. I'm just going to be upfront about it. I have in my smile a new tooth as of yesterday. <laughs> Don't you love it when your teeth break? It is amazing what happened to me yesterday. I went with this body broken up to the dentist, and they made a virtual image of the new tooth they wanted to put in my mouth for you to see me smile. And when it came up on the computer screen there beside the cot where I lay, he worked on it until he made it look just like he wanted it to be. And then he hit print or something. And a signal went to a tooth machine. He actually took me to the tooth machine. Dr. McGinnis did. Dr. Borg and Dr. McGinnis, they got this machine. And I watched as this machine worked on a square piece of ceramic, covering it with water, two prongs going out, while it formed that block into a tooth that fit perfectly in the spot in my mouth. When you look at me, you may not see it, but there are screws and glue and porcelain up here, all right? And these are indications that this body is a problem. They say you get a new one every seven years, and all of the cells in your body are replaced every seven years. I'm putting in a formal complaint, Wanda, for this last body I got. <laughs> As we age, we get more and more aware. This body is not what it used to be. You wake up sore in places you didn't know you had. Somebody told me today, you know, I got arthritis now. Of course, he's going to be 92 his next birthday. <laughs> Mac, you're doing good, brother. The resurrection of the body. Our bodies are not some tools incidental to our being. We are a body. I am body, I am soul, I am spirit. We have a holistic view of who we are from the scripture. It's not like we can put our spirit in one room, our body in one, one room, and our soul in another room, or our mind in another room, 
It's not like we can divide ourselves up actually that way. We experience life in the body. And who we are is integral to our bodies. For instance, our sexuality is, a, is an integral part of who we are. And yet our bodies indicate that. And our athleticism, our ability to run and jump, even our emotions and feelings are connected to our body. The body is essentially me. I am my body and my body is me. And this would be true of my spirit and soul as well. So when I begin to talk about the resurrection of the body, I am talking about the way that God values every human being he ever made. The way he made you to be in his presence forever, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, not just for this life, but for an eternity with God. So talking about the resurrection of the body, I am really talking about the fundamental reason for your being, to be in God's presence forever and to bring him glory. Resurrection starts with Jesus of Nazareth. Maybe it didn't used to start there. The Sadducees and the Pharisees had an ongoing debate about resurrection. Jesus got into that debate himself at one point, and so did the Apostle Paul. He actually caused a riot, pretty much, by calling out concerning the resurrection. So there were debates about the resurrection before Jesus of Nazareth was raised from the dead. But the whole discussion now focuses on Jesus. Resurrection for us starts with Jesus. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, this is the same man who not too long ago had said, stop talking about suffering and death. I don't want to hear it anymore. This is not going to happen to you. It's the same man who couldn't penetrate the mystery of Jesus talking about dying and being raised to new life three days later. None of the disciples could catch that. They couldn't understand it. It was a mystery too deep to great for them until Peter ran to that empty tomb and saw on the day the, the first day of the week that it was empty it was too great for them until seeing Jesus in his post resurrection appearances where he showed them his hands and his side and his feet it was too great a mystery for them to comprehend until the Holy Spirit came in power on this particular day and now Peter the fisherman is in reinterpreting all that Jesus said and did before. He is understanding the great mystery of what actually was taking place in the Messiah, who is not just a political Messiah for the nation of Israel, but he came to deliver and redeem all that God had made. And the mystery of this truth is dawning on him. Even as he utters these words, it was impossible for death to keep its Hold on him. Amen. He quotes the psalm that says he would not abandon him to the realm of the dead. The father 
would not abandon his one and only son. When the cords of death encircled him, the father saw, thundered, blew fire and smoke in Psalm 18. Then he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. It is a picture of the deliverance of Jesus from the grave. You will not let your Holy One see decay, the psalmist said. Peter now quotes this and knows it was inevitable that Jesus would be raised from the dead. He was the Holy One of Israel, the promised one, the Messiah. Death could not keep its hold on him. What God was doing in Jesus of Nazareth, his one and only Son and our Savior, was much greater than Peter had ever imagined. They couldn't put this together before the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But now they understand that God the Creator intervened in human history through His Son, Jesus, and everything is different because of it. We believe in the resurrection of the body because Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the truth that changes everything. It is the truth that shook the world of the first century. It is the truth that so changed the outlook and perspective of human beings. It invaded our very language and culture. So profound, so dramatic was this announcement that Jesus had raised from the dead that we began to count time at his birth and everything was before him and after him. This is the power of the resurrection, not only in the individual life of a living human being, uh, being breathing on this planet but all of human history is changed because Jesus is risen from the dead when we confess we believe in the resurrection of the body we are saying we believe in the resurrection of the body of Jesus of Nazareth and he is Lord resurrection starts with Jesus and resurrection is about the reality of forgiveness of sin it's about forgiveness of sin he would not let his holy one see decay see Jesus was God's holy one he had never committed sin. He took all of the sin of the world on him as he died. But it was impossible for death to hold him because he was the Holy One of God. Now, forgiveness of sin is very important in your life in this moment, in the here and now. I've been talking about forgiveness of sin. It's one of these three bullet points at the end of the Apostles' Creed. And we want to experience forgiveness of sin in our relationships, in our lives today. We don't want the bitterness to grow in us. We don't want to live under a cloud of guilt and shame. We want to know God's forgiveness in the here and now. The reason we understand that we are forgiven and the reason we can extend this forgiveness to others is because God has forgiven us. So God's forgiveness is fundamental 
in our forgiving others and our forgiving ourselves. There is a very important dimension to forgiveness in your life, the quality of your life, your inner life. And if you withhold forgiveness, your inner life suffers. And if you extend forgiveness, God's life pours through you like a river. So we know that forgiveness is important in the here and now. But it's not just that. It's something more. See, you will not let your Holy One suffer decay. You're not going to abandon him to the realm of the dead. You're not going to let your Holy One. The word Holy One is important here. Isaiah says that God is Jehovah, Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And he says it over and over again. And now we have the Holy One going into the grave, impossible for death to hold him because he is God's Holy One. You, as a believer, are a Holy One. You are a saint. Didn't we just confess we believe in the communion of saints? And we saw that the word saint is built from the word holy. And what it means is holy ones. So if the Apostle Paul were writing to the First Baptist Church of New Orleans, he would say, and I greet all the saints which are at First Baptist New Orleans. And he'd be talking about you. And God knows and Paul knows that you're not perfect in your condition. There are things about you that you don't like and God doesn't like. And we all know that's true. And yet he calls us saints because the Holy One, Jesus, makes us so. We have an imputed holiness, a derived holiness. When God looks at Jesus, he sees absolute perfection. And when God looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus. He sees you through the Savior. You've come under the blood, and your position before God is that you are his. You are separated unto him. You are his holy one. Now, the forgiveness of sin is more real and profound than you ever imagined. God has not only cleaned you up in the here and now, he has cleaned you up for eternity. The forgiveness of sin that God has extended to you will extend through the years of your life on this planet and into eternity and in the ages to come, God is going to show the extent of his marvelous grace in his mercy toward you. You who were a sinner, who knew your own condition, that you had fallen short, and yet Christ died upon the cross, taking all of your sin upon himself and gave to you a pristine forgiveness that removes your sin as far as the east is from the west and buries it in the depths of the sea and God remembers it no more, no more, no more against you. So who you are when you go into that grave is you are God's holy one, separated unto him, saved by the work of Christ upon the cross. It is inevitable that God will raise you from that grave as he did his son Jesus. Jesus is just the first fruits of those who slept because God was creating for himself a people. 
for now and eternity. You are assigned a place at the banquet table. You have a home in the mansion above. You are part of the family of God. The Father loves you. And resurrection of the body means he will not abandon you to the place of the dead. His Holy One will not see decay, but you, like Christ, will follow him in the resurrection. To whom shall we go, Peter said? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. 1 Corinthians 15 is a long discourse on resurrection. My father insisted that it be read at his funeral in its entirety, 58 verses, I think. They read it antiphonally. It seemed to take a long time, but it's great scripture. And part of it says Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his turn, Christ the firstfruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. It is a picture of God's ancient plan for his people. On Passover, it was the firstfruits. It was the unleavened bread. On Pentecost, it was the harvest of leavened bread. God has raised his son Jesus from the dead. And we who trust him are also going to follow in the resurrection of the body. His forgiveness extends this far. It is this complete. You are this pristine in his sight. You are made for heaven to be with him. It is grace. It is mercy. You do not deserve it. So for the ages to come, you will be an emblem of the grace of God. Resurrection means our sin is really, really, truly, completely forgiven. Resurrection means the Holy Spirit truly resides in you. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Romans 8, 11. Do you feel like the residence of the Holy Spirit? Have you acquired this truth? Not only in your mind, but in your heart. Is it a practical reality? Does God live in you? Some people think God's address is 5290 Canal Boulevard. You know that God lives here and we come to visit him once a week. Wrong! <laughs> you. You, sister. You, brother. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You are not your own. You are bought with a price, the price of Christ, death upon the cross. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Holy Spirit lives 
in you. Resurrection means that truly the Holy Spirit resides in me. And God has done something in me that only He can do. This life that I have is His life. Resurrection is about God. It's not about us. It's about what God does. What God does in us as He gives us His Holy Spirit. Something fundamental happened on the day of Pentecost that I've just read from. This is the day the Holy Spirit came in power, sat in tongues of fire on each one of those in the upper room. This is the day that changed the world. And we talk about the residing Holy Spirit from this time forward. In fact, Christ's death upon the cross is now the final sacrifice for sin. And those who trust in Him and believe in Him and receive Him as Savior and Lord, confessing their sin, are made clean and free from sin on the inside and a proper place for the Holy Spirit to reside. So God takes up residence in the life of the believer. This is why we know the resurrection of the body is in our future. The Holy Spirit resides in us. Forgiveness is just this deep and broad and great. God has accomplished a marvelous miracle with cosmic implications, raising Jesus from the dead and sending his Holy Spirit to live in us. What a Lord we have. What a marvelous Savior we serve. Resurrection means not only that forgiveness is this deep and the Holy Spirit truly resides in us, but it means transformation of the body. God is going to change this body. I'm going to be happy to get the change, all right? I don't want to be like that doctor in the television series forever. That when he is shot or when he is poisoned, he dies and then he bobs up in the Hudson River again. <laughs> Have you seen this? I mean, he's like trapped in this cycle and he's become a coroner because he's studying death and he's trying to figure out how he can get out from under this curse. It's become a curse to him. Going round and round in life on this planet is not a happy scenario. You may think sometimes, well, I don't want to die. I don't want to be mortal. And I think the authors of Forever have made this point. You need to make the most of the life that you have because having multiple lives like this just isn't that good a deal. All right? He comes out of that river still subject to poison and bullets and death. That's not what resurrection is about. In the scripture, resurrection is about the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus, okay? He comes out of that grave transformed. He is raised never to die again. God became a man with a mortal body in the incarnation in Jesus of Nazareth. And that mortal body was put to death upon the cross. But when he came out of that tomb... He would never die again. His body was transformed. We know that because it could pass through walls. He could come into a room, the doors being shut. He appeared and he disappeared. There was 
discontinuity between the body that he had before the resurrection and the one that he had after the resurrection. It was different. Paul says it this way. This mortal must put on immortality. This corruption must put on incorruption. Then will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. God's going to change this body. He's going to make it like the body of the Lord Jesus. The body that is sown in the ground, in the tomb, is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a spiritual body. It is raised, or sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, spiritual body, I don't know exactly what that looks like. It's a mystery to me. I can't explain all aspects of the resurrection to you. Of course, I can't explain how they make a tooth for me yesterday. There are a lot of things I don't know, and I'm okay with not knowing. And I can't explain every nuance to what God's going to do in the transformation of your body. But I do know this. There's a discontinuity. The body you're going to get in the resurrection is different from the one you have. It is made to be in the presence of God forever. It's a glorified body. It's a spiritual body. That's the kind of body you're going to have. But there's a continuity between who you are now and the body you will have then. It's just like with Jesus. They recognized it was him. He stretched out his hand and says, it's I. See my hands? See my feet? The blind songwriter, Fanny J. Crosby, wrote, I shall know him. I shall know him. And redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. When she gets to heaven, she's going to have perfect vision. But she learned everything in her life through her fingers. And she says, I'll know the Lord Jesus like Peter and James and John knew it was him. Like that couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus knew it was Jesus. They didn't know till he raised his hands and they took a look at him as he broke the bread. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Somebody said, well, if there are scars in the glorified body of Jesus, does that mean my scars will be there in my resurrected body? And my answer is, I don't know. Okay? <laughs> but I know this, that when you get to heaven, you'll be able to recognize Jesus who is the lamb that was slain, but he's standing and crucified. That's how he's pictured 
in John's revelation, he is pictured with the marks in his hands and his feet. And you will know him because these marks are representative of who he truly is. The one who laid down his life for us. Who you truly are will be evident in the resurrection of the body. And you'll be able to see, hey, that's David Crosby. I think we're going to know one another in the next life. We believe that every human is of infinite worth in the sight of God who made us. We believe we are made in his image and after his likeness, that we are fearfully made and wonderfully made, that God made us individually. He fashioned us in our mother's womb. God has given so much attention to us because he made us to be in relationship with him with this great and magnificent ability to love him as he has loved us. And in the resurrection, he's going to preserve who we are essentially. And we will know one another just as we will know him. I believe in the resurrection of the body that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I believe in the resurrection of the body, that forgiveness from God extends to this life and fashions me for an eternal life with him. I believe in the resurrection of the body, that the Holy Spirit resides in me and he will not allow his Holy One to see decay. I believe in the resurrection of the body, the transformation from the old life to the new, just as what happened with Jesus. But first and foremost, I believe in God's one and only Son, our Savior, sent to earth to rescue me, crucified, dead, buried, and raised again on the third day. Bow with me, please. Dear God, we thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, you are our hope. Now and forever, we have no other. Thank you for loving us like you do, reaching down to rescue us, placing us in your family, at your table, extending to us this amazing forgiveness that lasts now and forever. Thank you for the abiding Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We want to hear from you. Let us know what our next step is on the journey of following you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.